Welcome to A Slice of Orange, a podcast on politics in North Orange County, California, with me, Jody Balma, Professor of Political Science at Fullerton College. Since it's an election year, we're going to invite people who've run for local office to share their experiences and maybe even some advice for candidates and people who might be thinking about running in the future. So today's guest is Lauren Klatzer, who was elected in 2018 to serve on the Fullerton Joint Union High School Board. She's a special education teacher, school counselor, and a special education program specialist. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So running for office is a big decision and a huge time commitment. So let's start with what were the factors that led you to run for school board? Um, well, timing, if, if that's a thing, was definitely not good. But I think it's like one of those things like having children, there's never a good time. You just have to take the leap and do it and hope that everything's going to fall into place. Um, and my kids are actually a large part of my motivation. I have two high school students and an elementary age student. And um, I want to help them get the best education that they can possibly get. And that needed to be something that I was motivated by was that that needed to be something more than helping them at the kitchen table with their homework. And I have always had this little political junkie um, devil sitting on my shoulder. I've always been into politics and what's happening. And this was a way for me to be a part of something larger than myself, a way to give back to the community because education is what I do. Uh, And so it was something that I was comfortable and familiar with. And um, it was a way for me to sort of dip my toe in and start the process of really being an active participant in our democracy as well, which is something that I feel really strongly and really, um, really powerfully about. So I decided that running for school board was the best way to start this process for myself because it was something familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And I heard somebody say that teachers should not be on school boards. And that actually became something that was always in the back of my head because nobody ever says businessmen and women shouldn't be on the board of directors of companies. So if they make the best decisions about their industry, why would educators not be the most appropriate people to be making decisions about education, which is our industry. So I always kind of had that in the back of my head as, no, no, we are the best people to be making these decisions, the most appropriate people to be making these decisions. And so I used that along the way as part of my motivation of why I needed to be a part of this as well. Good, good. So if you were talking to somebody who was thinking about running, what do you wish you'd known? (laughs) Um, The scariest thing for me was fundraising and asking people for money. In our society, in our culture, you don't ask people how much they make. You don't ask to borrow money. You don't, like money is just one of those topics we don't talk about. And all of a sudden you're thrust into this world where everything is money driven. You can't buy yard signs if you don't fundraise. You can't buy door hangers if you don't fundraise. You can't do a lot of things if you don't fundraise. And so you have to ask people for money. And that was the absolute scariest, most uncomfortable thing I had ever done. So I wish that I had, um, I wish that I had known a little bit more about how to go about that process uh, because it was something that I hesitated to do for as long as I possibly could 
in the process of, of running because I just was so uncomfortable doing it. Um, you know, the other thing is, is that the filing the paperwork, going through the process, it's extremely confusing and convoluted. And there is nowhere to go where you can watch a YouTube video that walks you through the process. Right. And I did not realize how complex something that is so far down ballot was going to be. Like, I thought, how hard could it be? You go to the county, you fill out a couple of forms, and you go on your merry way. And that is not the process. And there isn't a clear uh, way of getting information about it. So I wish I had known, and I was actually very lucky because I was surrounded by some people who were very supportive and very knowledgeable, but I wish I had known how complex and layered the process is for even just filing the paperwork, getting your numbers, um, you know, a treasurer. I didn't know I needed a treasurer. Yeah. All of those things. mm -hmm, Exactly. So uh, uh, Fullerton Joint Union has switched to districts and you were elected as a trustee for Area 4. Um, That's something that has happened in Orange County um, fairly recently that we've switched from at-large elections, which is, you know, we need to elect three school board members, the entire city elects, and maybe there's five or six candidates. So that's a big switch for the voters as well as for the candidates. Um, In 2018, when you ran, there were four candidates running for this new district, the first time we've ever done Area 4, and you won. And you beat out two pretty well-known Fullertonians, um, Chris Thompson, who had been on the the elementary school board, and then Mike Oates, a business owner. So w- was that part of the the fear of taking on people who were well-known, um, you as a relative newcomer to politics? Walk us through a little bit about that, the districts and um, how it factored into your campaign. So you, like you were saying, everyone has gone to trustee areas or is in the process of moving towards that if it, if it hasn't happened yet. And the idea is, is that you don't have all of your trustees from, say, like a higher socioeconomic area speaking for and making decisions for people who live in very different circumstances for them as yeah. them. You're, you have real true representative leadership on your school board. Um. And where I live, like you were saying, Chris Thompson was running and Mike Oates was running and they are these known entities. And here I am showing up as just this person who happens to live in this trustee area with no name recognition or anything like that. And um, that was very scary, but, and and I, I wasn't honestly sure that I was going to win because of the name recognition of both of them. And um I, I used that as part of my motivation because I worked really hard. And one of the things that somebody told me afterwards is that people talked about how I was always knocking on doors, mm-hmm. but they didn't hear from these other two candidates at the same level. And they didn't, um, they didn't see their signs as frequently. They didn't, people weren't talking about how they were showing up at their doors. And I was at the door every weekend and every day after work for months before the election, because I knew that if I was going to be able to compete with zero name recognition, that I was going to have to be able to get out there and people are going to have to meet me and get to know me. If I had any chance in beating these two men who, who just walked in with an advantage. 
Right, right. And and that's the ideal of, of when we're planning these things as political scientists, um, is that the smaller districts means that you can do grassroots campaigning, that your neighbors are the ones who know you best and therefore are going to elect you. When, when it goes terribly wrong, uh, you know, Disneyland gets a discount at, at, at spending independent expenditures to just completely... Uh, bad mouth and use negative advertising. So uh, there's there's pros and cons to this, but but in Fullerton it does seem like this knocking on doors, talking to people you know, really representing the districts for now, has worked. Um, so all of that, the hard work, um, and and we're going to get to the actual governance of what it is to be a school board member. But um, would you run again? Is this something? It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Um, and I used my children as free labor. I will freely admit that. They canvassed, they canvassed with me. They stuffed envelopes. They folded paper. They, they were a part of this as well. Um, and it did definitely, it became all consuming, especially mm-hmm. in the, in the like two, three months leading up to the election. It was all we talked about. It was all we did. I would be at the grocery store talking to somebody and I would call my husband and tell him I needed him to bring me a yard sign at Target because (laughs) somebody I was talking to said they'd put one up. Like that was our lives. Yes. And, um, but I love it and I will absolutely run again. And uh, I think that the role of school board is even more important than I even realized before. Part of my learning process has just, um, and of course, it's been a unique time being on the school board during this time of COVID and the decisions we're making and things like that. It just, I, I knew what I was getting into, but I've learned even more about it. Right. And how impactful it is on the community you know, schools do a lot more than just educate kids. They feed kids. Right. Uh, it's one of the things that people have been on campus doing during this whole thing that the classroom doors may be shut, but we're still feeding kids. Regardless of what zip code they live in, you show up at a school, you're under 18, here is some food. Right. And that's so important to the community. Mental health is still being provided by schools. Um, it may be virtually, but it's still being provided by schools. So many things are still happening. Um, and it just, schools are so important. And I want to continue to be a, process, a part of that process. But this has also opened up other doors for me because I have gotten to know other people in the community and in local politics, both at the city and county level, which have, it's enabled me to start participating in other things and getting involved in, in more, um, local politics. And I love it. I definitely have that bug. So I'm going to continue. I'm definitely going to run again. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about my journey in politics and continuing to move Mm -hmm. forward in this. So the second part, I want to talk about the actual job, what the governance. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, the skill set that makes you a really great campaigner isn't necessarily translates to good governance. And I sometimes look at candidates and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know if you know what the job is. Um, and, and so I do want to talk about what that is for, for the listeners, for people who are interested, you know, what is school board? And, and, and once you get elected, what's next? I mean, election night is fun, but then what happens? 
Well, and let me just say, I went to bed election night behind and I obsessively woke up like every hour to check until they stopped posting updates. And the next morning, all of a sudden I was ahead. So I went to bed thinking I had lost and then woke up ahead. So you never know for people who are thinking about it, you never know and it can change. So it's, um, it's definitely, and and we have had a couple of examples in Orange County where, um, uh, people attend uh, freshman orientation before uh, the votes yeah. are finalized and then they have to come home. Um, I, I believe that we have a congresswoman's picture in the freshman <laughs> uh, list that is not actually elected. So yeah, <laughs> election night totals are, are and, not always true. And my grandmother had a great word for that. Um, I'm Jewish and she spoke Yiddish and she, so chutzpah. I think is a really great word yes. to describe sometimes um, politicians' behaviors. Yes. Um, like that one in particular. So um, being on the board is uh, a big switch to big picture. So I work for a local school district, obviously not the one that I'm on the board for because that wouldn't be allowed, but it is a definite switch because in my day job, I'm, I live in a little bubble. I live in the special ed bubble that exists in our district. And I function in that bubble and I think and breathe and eat in that bubble. But when you're on the board, it is a global district level kind Mm -hmm. of hovering above it rather than being in it like you are as an employee. So there's this mind shift that has to happen because you're really looking at big picture. You don't, as a board member, kind of get mired in the details. You help to set the vision for the district that everybody runs with. So for example, we did, um, we went through this process with the cabinet, kind of looking at not only our mission and vision and fine tuning that, but what was the direction that we wanted And when you say the cabinet, who's that? The, the district cabinet, so superintendent, executive director, assistant soups. Um, and those are the people with full-time jobs working for the district while the board is part-time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, don't, um, if, if anybody is running because they think this is great supplemental income, it is not. Um, board members get a very, very small monthly stipend. Uh, that we pay taxes on, and you do not do it for the money. You right. do it because you have the passion for it. Um, the cabinet, the district cabinet are the people who, like you were saying, Jody, it's a full-time job. This is what they do. And they get into the details of, well, how do we make this happen? So the board works together with the cabinet, those highest level people in the district, and um, really fine-tune the vision and direction for the district. Then the cabinet goes back and works with principals and site leadership and teacher leaders and um, CSEA leaders, the union leaders, to um, really figure out how to make that vision and that direction happen. So it's very different being and on so the board. who trains you? I mean, in essence, the school board is the boss of, hires the superintendent, but then in a strange role reversal, the superintendent is sort of the one saying, here's what you do and what the job is. Right. So where do you get the outside training? So there's an organization called CSBA, which is the California School Board Association. And um, Orange County has its own, you know, group and we get together regularly. But then there's a national conference that happens end of November, December-ish, where school board members across the state 
come together and we have guest speakers and breakout work groups and sessions that you can go to to learn about legal issues and um, different problems that schools are facing. Um, last year, I went to one that was specifically about um, medicinal marijuana mm -hmm. and about how that is impacting schools and because obviously there's discipline and ed code and all that, sure. but then the medicinal component of it um, has different implications and who administers it and what are, you know, if a, if a kid has it on them, but says it's medicinal, like how does that impact discipline? Like, I mean, just things that you wouldn't even think of sure. as a, as a normal, just person walking down the street or dropping your kid off at school. And we go and we learn about these things. Right. And so that's really helpful. They also have a thing called um, masters in governance, which is a, a series of classes that you can take as a new board member, or you can go back and revisit. I'm actually thinking of going back and doing another one on the Brown Act, mm -hmm. because I definitely do not know the Brown Act as well as I should. And I think that's also part of being a good leader is being able to say, you know what, I need to learn more about this. Um, and yeah. the Brown Act is something that, because there is no handbook to being a board member, you figure things out as you go, you take these classes. Right. Uh, CSBA offers webinars that you can take and things like that. So it's nice to have a team that you sit with at the dais that, you know, is supportive, which I'm very, very lucky to have. And we have some great resources of people who have been doing this for a while, so I can ask questions. But then there are these other resources, but sometimes you just figure it out as you go. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And, and what about, I mean, are you meeting other school board members from other districts where, I mean, do you have kind of a kitchen cabinet of people to go to and say, hey, what are, what's your school district doing about this? Yes. And I actually met this group of people at this master's in governance course, because we ended up doing the courses all in the same order at the same place. Mm -hmm. So I have met some people like on Newport Mesa's board and Paramount's board and Saddleback Valley's board. And so when I have questions, especially as we're going through this reopening process and all right. this, I'm calling these people and I'm saying, hey, what is your board talking about in terms of, and then I give them my list and then they want to know what we're thinking of too. So right. we're great resources for each other because no one operates in isolation and right. we need to rely on each other and there is no need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, like right. every cliche you can think of with these things, it it's true. And so to right. have that support network is really important. Good. So I know there's no typical week <laughs> and particularly not in the age of COVID, um, but what's a typical week like in the life of a school board trustee? So it's different right now with our sites being closed because there are no on-site activities. Mm -hmm. But um, so that that's changed things a bit. But typically uh, every Thursday, we get a weekly board letter from the district office. And what is contained in that is a report from each of our divisions, um, whether it's the superintendent's office, education services, HR, facilities, um, food services, everybody gives us an update weekly. And we read through that and then submit questions back. Those questions are then answered and distributed to all the board members. So the questions go to the superintendent. Um, he farms them out to the appropriate person to answer those questions if additional details are needed, and then sends the question and the answer to all board members. So everybody knows what everybody's thinking, asking, wondering about. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that happens regardless of whether we're meeting that, that upcoming week or not. Um, on, day, on weeks when we meet, our board meetings are primarily on Tuesdays. We have an open session and following a closed session. So we have usually an hour or two, depending on what the issues are, uh, in closed session. And then where we take care of confidential things and um, ask some more detailed questions and have uh, different conversations. Then we go out into open session, which are public forums. People can submit their questions. Um, and that's where business gets officially voted on and, and publicized and taken care of. In different times, we would also have events to go to, like um, in Fullerton right. Joint, we have things called like the Top 100 in the spring where the Top 100 students are recognized. And as board members, we want to be a part of those celebrations, FFA, um, which is something unique in Fullerton, which is the Future Farmers of America, um, which is, you know, kind of this holdover to when Fullerton was a, a farming community. Mm -hmm. But it is so unique because it's one of the last districts in an urban area to have these programs. Um, we go to their celebrations at the end of the year, graduations, games, all that. And obviously that right now isn't happening. And it is more time consuming, but they're fun things to go to right. that help us connect with the schools and the kids. And ultimately that's why we're there. So they're, they're fun to go to. Yeah. So obviously governing during a pandemic, everything is different and, and has certainly presented new challenges. And I think as you, as you mentioned about the food, um, you know, really revealed how important our schools are in our community and how much more than the classroom instruction occurs. Yeah. Um, so what's been the most inspiring thing that you've learned? Um, you know, it's... One of the, it's, it's nothing new. It was just sort of reiterated for me is not only how much communities rely on schools and how much more than just classroom learning happens at a school and is provided by school, but also honestly, just how amazing teachers are. I saw teachers who are not comfortable with technology because it isn't something that they've mm -hmm. grown up with. And it's not something that they rely on a lot in class for instruction go to completely online instruction. They learned it in a second. They're implementing it. They want to do what's right for kids and help keep kids learning and going. And it is so inspiring to see that because teachers are often and schools are often a scapegoat in our community. Mm -hmm. Right. Not our community, but in our society. No. In society. And, um, you know, it's it's amazing how fast we've gone in this time from, you know, tweets where celebrities are saying, uh, my, te my kid's teacher needs to get paid a million dollars a day, to why are teachers so lazy? They don't want to go back to school. Right. They're just trying to use the school closures as a way to stay home, which of course couldn't be farther from the truth. Right. But we went from that in March to now. I know. It's, and it's, it's amazing. It's, it's whiplash, right? Whip Truly. And the, the, the reality is, is that teachers are giving, caring, kind people who want nothing more than to be with their kids and to help them learn. And that just was so illuminated for me as a board member, as I was seeing what was happening, as I was watching my own kids attend their Zoom classes, as I was hearing from people in the community about what their child's teacher was doing. Um, for their child. It just, it was so amazing and beautiful to see. And I just wish that 
we could focus on those things and not get caught up in all of the politicizing of well, teachers are just teachers are just insert whatever you want because it couldn't be farther from the truth. Right. Good. Well, thank you. I've got some end of the show questions that I ask everybody. So um, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Whether or Uh, not you took it. Um, get a tough skin and let things roll off because you will get personally attacked even uh, like over things that will just shock you mm-hmm. and you have to be able to just let it go. Um, it happened during the campaign. It's happened during board meetings because people feel very passionately about things and they will throw that emotion at you and right. you cannot take it personally. It is hard. I bet. I bet. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Do it. If you can do it, do it because it's, it's the, how you survive. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, so one book that you like to recommend to people, um, anything by Brene Brown. I think she is anything she has written is just uh, read it. If you can get your hands on it, because I think just her, her conceptualizations about what real leadership is, Um, are just so spot on and so applicable, whether you're working in social services, because, you know, that's her background, right. whether you're working in education, whether you're working in corporate America. I just think, you know, the way that she talks about leadership is just spot on. So anything yeah. by Brene Brown. Anything by Brene Brown. Okay. <laughs> um, and is there a hopeful message? Uh, my students are searching for hopeful messages in this crazy time. Um. I think my hopeful message would be this, that you can be a part of this. You are not, not in control and how you participate is completely up to you, but you can be a part of this and you can help make things change. And what I'm about to say next will clearly disclose my political leanings, but things will get better and you can be a part of making that change happen. Pick a candidate, and it doesn't matter whether it's a down-ballot candidate like school board or city council, or whether it's someone at the county, state, or federal level that you are passionate about, but pick somebody and phone bank for them. You don't have to make a a financial investment. I know what it's like to be a struggling college student, and Mm -hmm. then as a a teacher, like, the money does not roll in. (laughs) So I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck, and so I know... You can't always give financially, but you can phone bank, you can canvas, you can do things for candidates, and that's how change happens, and that's how we, we make movement happen, and, and you are in control. You can participate in that way. So I think when we feel like we have some control, there's hope. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really, it's one of the reasons that I love local politics, because you know there's just all of these examples of elections that are won by four votes and 15 votes. And when you volunteer, I mean, that refresh button on election night, just, uh, you know, checking and checking and checking is um, exhilarating to know Mm -hmm. that you were a part of it. And then I think um, when you watch the person that you helped get elected, make meaningful policy change. Yes. And you know that you were a part of making that happen. I agree. um, Is amazing. So, yeah. And then it's very empowering. Yeah, I I think and I I think that control is really the most hopeful thing of all. Um, So I love that message. So who should we talk to next? We're interviewing people and 
So I think you should talk to Ahmad Zahara. He is an interesting guy with an interesting story and so unique. And I actually um, had to contact him recently as a city council person because I found some anti-Semitic graffiti in the community Mm -hmm. while on a walk. And I contacted him and he responded right away as I knew he would. I met him during the election process. We were both running at the same time. And so we kept running into each other, which happens. The circuit. Yes. And he responded right away. And later that day, I got a call from a detective. Mm. So, I mean, he's, he's an amazing guy, super responsive to the community and such an interesting person with a great story. So he would be my vote for who to talk to next. Great. I love it. He's on my list. So <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to a slice of orange about North Orange County politics.